0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna, let's get started. Hey guys, I'm your host Joanna and welcome back to another episode on Work in Progress, our personal productivity podcast. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about balancing stress to better our productivity. And it's very easy to get caught up in all these endless things to do in our life, which can cause a lot of stress for us. So today I will be joined by Vian Nguyen to talk about some strategies we can use for maximizing our productivity whilst balancing our stress as well. So Vian is an organized organizational psychologist and the founder of ANTAM Coaching and Psychology, a private counseling practice. So she has a focus on intersectional psychology and culturally responsive practice. Vianne also delves into the impact of factors such as gender and race on mental health and emphasises strengthening the mind-body connection to help people understand their unique strengths and how they can flourish while preventing burnout. Hi, Vianne. It's so lovely to have you here with us.
1: Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. Yeah,
0: of course. I'm excited to get into it as well. But before we do all that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a bit more with who you are and what it is you do.
1: Sure. Well, thank you for the long intro already. <laughs> um, but yes, my name is Vian Yuin. I run a private counselling practice called Antam Coaching and Psychology. Essentially, my background um, with organisational psychology is a lot focused on well-being and performance for individuals, teams and organisations. And I started off working in very corporate environments, so management consulting, leadership development, that kind of thing, um, before I got really interested in kind of looking at how the systems impact our mental health, essentially well-being and performance. And I moved more into community health settings before um working for myself in a counselling kind of setting. So, yeah, in this work now, I'm really passionate about working with people, mostly one-on-one, um to really understand how all these different factors come together and impact their mental health, but also taking a step back, like looking at what are the different systems that we live in and, yeah, what are the ways that we can look after ourselves really holistically and then the people um, around us as well.
0: Yeah, amazing. And I'd love to ask what inspired you to open up your own practice?
1: Yeah, so... I previously worked in clinics, and I had a really great time um, working with you know other colleagues of different professions like music therapy, um, counseling, things like that. Yeah, um, but I realized. There was actually quite a niche of um, the type of client that I really, you know, I work best with, but there seems to be the best rapport. So it just seemed like if I could focus more on that niche, maybe it would benefit, you know, two ways. So I currently find myself, majority of my clients are women of color and they come mainly to talk about issues relating to work. But once you dive in, it really does relate to, you know, family, upbringing, um, values, and there's just the openness to talk about all those kinds of things. So it's that kind of inspired the name of the clinic as well. So An Tam, it in Vietnamese, it means peace of mind. Okay. And I thought it would be nice to have a little bit of that fusion of... Um, kind of, yeah, the name to represent, you know, my background and what I'm all about as well. So, yeah, a little bit selfish, a little bit of interest, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, and how do you think that having a very, like, cultural sort of framework to approach different mental health issues helps, you know, dive into different topics? I think...
1: um I think actually, if I can be really honest, throughout my training and early work experience, there wasn't too much of a focus on um, understanding either culture or race and how that does come into, you know, how does that impact, how does that impact your well-being, performance and things like that? Yeah. But I realised it's such an important part. Um, you, for example, In my early work experiences, there were a lot of um, people of colour at the junior levels. um, And it was very common to get feedback of like, you need to be more assertive, you need to speak up, stand up for yourself, things like that. Um, But looking at the trends, you know, it just became less and less diverse, the more you move up the organisation. And I think, um, I really do think that culture plays a part in it as well. A lot of people came from collectivist cultures that had a greater power distance. So, you know, um, respecting authority or speaking up to more senior figures is not something that comes really naturally, even if, like in my case, I was born in Australia. But with my Vietnamese heritage, that kind of thing was still very foreign. And so I thought I think there's a real missing piece of this conversation. And whenever I wanted to have these chats with my manager or people um, mostly like senior colleagues, there didn't seem to be much appetite on talking about race. But when I started talking to more people who, you know, maybe they did um, anti-racism training or um, they worked really deeply in the diversity and inclusion space, I I think it helped open my eyes to how much that plays a part and so when I feel like in sessions with clients when I open up and say that it is a safe space we can talk about things like race and gender uh, you're not going to be you know gaslit into thinking that this is a you problem Mm -hmm. and not look at the whole system I think a lot of people they tend to really open up um, and say okay here are all these things that I've wondered but I never really wasn't sure, you know, if if that played a part or if it was just me. So, yeah, I think there's overall um, more appetite to talk about it now. Yeah. But it would be, in my mind, incomplete to not focus on um, culture and and race and all those things.
0: Yeah, for sure, because I feel like it's very hard because in society, I feel like we've grown up having certain taboo topics and race and, you know, gender have been one of them. But recently, I feel like it's been a bit more liberating. But I feel like there are still some boundaries with talking about that stuff. So it's important to cultivate a safe space where you can let down those guards and you can say what you need to say as a part of, you know, expression of whatever you're going through. Definitely. Awesome. Well, before we jump into the nitty gritty of our interview, um, we have a section we have called Have You Met VN? So we'd love to just ask you some more, get to know your questions and a bit more fun. So my first one for you is, do you have a favourite book or anything that you're reading at the moment? I, I do have a favourite
1: book. I'm, um... Only up to the second reread at the moment, but oh. it's, it's called Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Okay. And it's a fiction book. It's about, it's kind of this in multi-generational um, story about um, Korean families during the Japanese occupation in the early 1900s. And the author, I think I read an interview that she actually wrote the book and then went back to, you know, Japan, Korea, interviewed people that like, you know, that's their life and then rewrote it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this amazing story about all the taboo topics as well.
0: Yeah. Um
1: But yeah, it's beautiful. It's actually it's now a series on Apple TV+. (laughs) Plus.
0: Oh, wow. I feel like that's for people like me who probably wouldn't read the book. So (laughs) that's really cool. And when you said you're only on your second reread, I was like, oh, okay. Wow. So did you feel like you needed to read it a second time to, you know, get into it a bit more?
1: Oh, not really. It was just, you know, so amazing. I I love rewatching and rereading things. So I knew that this is my favorite book. I'm probably going to reread it a lot, but there are so many emotional highs and lows that I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for the emotional (laughs) roller coaster yet. That's why.
0: Oh, wow. Well, what's that one called again? Pachiko. Okay, cute. Do you know what that means? Um, it actually
1: is a Japanese word for this like kind of um, gambling machine. Not quite a pokies oh. machine, but um, I think the history is that a lot of Koreans in Japan at the time faced a, a, dis- you know, a lot of discrimination, struggled to find work. So they, um, a lot of them found work through... Uh, creating their own pachinko stores
0: oh okay wow yeah. that's really cool I love books that have like really fascinating titles or something so that's awesome I might have to check that out or maybe check out the show yeah. instead <laughs> awesome so my next one for you is do you have a favorite movie or anything that you've recently enjoyed yeah I recently
1: watched the new Pixar movie Elemental.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah,
1: and I really love that too. I think you know, on theme with what we've been talking about so far, I didn't realize it was such a beautiful like immigrant family story. Yeah, so, yeah. I watched it with my mom, and I thought like, oh my god, this is your story, mom. <laughs> and she actually really loved it as well. So oh, yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah, it's a very cute movie. I thought it was really mm. great too. Perfect. So my next one for you is, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment? Apart from this one. <laughs> Apart from this one, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there's a HBR podcast called "Anxious," uh, The Anxious Achiever Podcast. Okay. Um, so they interview uh, different kind of leaders in the corporate world and talk very openly about mental health, whether it's like anxiety, depression, or maybe living with bipolar while being an executive, stuff like that.
0: I find it really cool. Awesome. Are you very into like the um, non-fictional side of things as opposed to like the fictional side when it comes to like books and podcasts and stuff?
1: Um, I think it's a real mix. I probably do read or watch, um, in podcasts, more nonfiction Mm. about maybe like health and, um, cultural, you know, stories or, um, like growing up Asian in Australia, that kind of thing. But then whenever I do move into like read a fiction book or something, I remember, oh yeah, that was really fun. I should do more of this.
0: (laughs) awesome well i've got one more question for you and that is do you have a role model or it could be just anyone in your life that you look up to um i have a lot of role i will give a shout out so one of my <laughs> role
1: models is Kat Tao wing
0: okay she
1: um she's an author um she's just an all-around amazing human um And she facilitates a lot of, you know, inclusive leader, anti-racism workshops. She just does a lot of influential work between Australia and Vietnam, all while being a really genuine um, and kind human. So, yeah, I love Working and looking up to her.
0: Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing those with us. I would love to get into our interview questions now. So, my first one for you is um, how would you define the relationship between stress and achievement? Sure. So, um,
1: I'm trying to remember some of my notes now, but I'll just <laughs> say what comes to mind. Go for it. <laughs> uh, in terms of stress and achievement, I think a nice way to think about it is maybe a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, of course, um, with more achievement or a greater, I guess, yeah, achieving more, it might lead to greater stress. Maybe with achieving less, potentially, um, you could have less stress too. But it just means that there's this kind of optimum range. I do work with a lot of overachievers uh, in my in my practice, but also just in my lifetime. I've really (laughs) worked with a lot of them intimately. And um, I think when people have an achievement orientation, so that's their incentive, you know, they're driven by it. It can be easy to fall into um, overachieving as a habit. And then as a result, not necessarily listening to your body or picking up on those signs of stress. And when you continue that habit without, you know, balancing it out with identifying the signs of stress, then it's easy to, you know, it's easy to um, feel burned out or overworked. And really then your body takes over to say, uh, I can't do this anymore or you need to slow down. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I often feel like maybe people focus a lot on their stress or they focus a lot on their achievement, and there's this very little focus on having a balance between the two. So, how do you find focusing on this balance and addressing this balance is important? Mm. I think that
1: finding the balance and harmony, it takes a lot of work to actually understand both your body as well as what's important to you, what, Mm. you know, your values and purpose. But when you do find the harmony, I think that's where you can find alignment. So basically, you know, what's important to you, what gives you a sense of meaning and purpose, um, but you also know what your limits are and you can be gentle with yourself and kind of you know, um, ebb and flow and still achieve your goals. Whereas if you are really driven by achievement, but, you know, as we said before, you're not really that good at listening to the signs from your body. um, And once you feel burnt out, you might be forced to stop. And then um, often it's hard to struggle with all those feelings of not being productive or then feeling like a failure in the more extreme cases. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And how do you think an imbalanced approach, whether that be, you know, excessive stress or underachievement, affects an individual's overall quality of life?
1: Such a good question. And I think in my um, counselling work, I've really seen so many examples of what the imbalance can look like. even though I always say that you can work with a psychologist when things are going well, a lot of times people book in a session maybe, you know, after a crisis or when they um, things have gone a little bit off track. So um, w- when there's an imbalance, let's say overachievement and, you know, in that situation where you're feeling burnt out, some I feel like it shows up in the body in really funny ways as well. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there's only so much that you can fight the feeling. And one way I think about it is like the mind kind, it's like mind over body in an imbalanced way. So you work really hard to achieve your goals and you say, oh, this has worked for me so far. It's helped me get here to this point so I should just keep going, you know, be determined, um, be resilient. but then, that's kind of like mind over body, not listening to those signs of stress. And so once you have, your body has really reached the limit, some ways that it shows up is, you know, it could be um, stomach aches, cramps, IBS, um, headaches. I've heard of people who experienced um, really intense neck pain from just thinking about work will trigger neck pain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. just so many, so many different ways that the body is saying like, you can't, I I don't want to keep going like this.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's really interesting how your body responds to what you're feeling, even though you might not be willing to admit you're feeling that way. Like I know when I get stressed, like my shoulders get really tense and I personally brush it off. I'm like, you know what? It happens sometimes, but it's so interesting how your body is literally telling you to either slow down or stop or change some sort of facet of your life it's exactly that and I think you know
1: you know current um, lifestyles there are so many things move really quickly there are so many demands so it's easy to just kind of like get swept up in all the things that you have to do and not listen to the signs of your body mm. so then actually we need to uh, retrain or remember um, kind of like to trust your gut and uh, listen listen to yourself. but I also wanted to mention um, on that other end, that you highlighted like let's say underachievement um sometimes i think that underachievement can be a a different response to the same um achieve high achiever mindset so for example someone might have high expectations of themselves but when the feelings of anxiety or perfectionism get too strong, then, you know, some self-sabotage happens and maybe they don't like study for that exam or they don't, um, prepare for this kind of big project. And then in, you know, they might fail or underachieve. And then it's an easy way of saying like, oh, well, you know, I didn't try, so that's why I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. But it's, potentially still comes from that same feeling of wanting to achieve, but the behavior is the opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And on the lines of achievement, how can individuals pursue ambitious goals? You know, especially if, it, you know, are over like ambitious people, people who are very, you know, driven by having goals and wanting to achieve them. How can they do that without succumbing to, you know, burnout and feeling just overwhelmed and getting too stressed?
1: It turns out that that work is a lot harder than you might expect or at least in my experience yeah. um, it's it's hard because it involves a lot of being super honest with yourself and um, maybe either compromising certain things. So if I talk through an example, so I would say that, you know, I had a period of feeling very um, or maybe it's just that overachieving mindset of like, these are all the things I need to do before a certain time or before a certain age. And um, I thought I can't lower those standards or else, you know, that's not ambitious enough. Like I'm an ambitious person. I need to achieve all of these things. Mm -hmm. So my mindset was I can't compromise. Um, Yeah, I can't compromise on these goals. But the other side is, then I experienced all those, you know, feelings of burnout. For me, it came up via IBS, you know, all kinds of gut issues and not being able able to eat all of my favourite things, coffee, bread, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what I've learned and what I see a lot of people go through the same journey is that you can define again, like define your values, what's important to you. Maybe learning is a value, but maybe health and family are also values. And so when you've got that in mind, you actually have to sit and um, think about what will I be happy with, you know? What are the work goals or ambitious goals that I'm happy with and what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? So if you don't really, you know, if you don't care about sleep and you don't care about seeing your family, then maybe all those ambitious goals, you're like, yeah, I'm fine with that. But if you um, actually, you know, you want to have free time on the weekends, like hang out with um, people after work, then you might actually have to compromise on what does that mean or um, maybe be a bit more flexible on how you get there with the goals and that, I think, is the part where you need to be honest with your body and if you feel signs of getting tired, exhausted, that you might actually need to slow down and, you know, compromise your thinking in that way rather than, no, every minute I need to be productive or every every day I need to do something. Actually listen to your body, take time when you need and then when you have more capacity you can, you know, work really hard and still achieve the goal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And I love how you mentioned this idea of being honest to yourself and being honest with like your body and stuff, because I feel like it's so hard when you want to do one thing, but then your body is giving you all these signs that, you know, perhaps that's not what you should be doing. But it's very hard to listen to that sometimes because I feel like it can be very scary because it often implies something has to change or you might have to temporarily give up or dial down something. So how can someone approach that? You know, they've realized that, okay, got these signs that something doesn't feel right but I'm a bit too scared to take that step to better it how should they best approach this um you know this is
1: where one part of me says you can work with someone like a counselor like a therapist sometimes I see that as almost like um you know maybe borrowing encouragement from someone other than yourself and that can help you make space to work through some of these big questions um but I guess, I guess what I see a lot of times is that the denial phase, the denial phase can be really big of, you know, I'm fine, I'm not tired, I just want to keep going. But when you're, you're kind of ignoring those signs from your body. So essentially, if we call it out for what it is, you're in denial of what your body is saying. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I don't think there's really an easy way, but it's just opening up your eyes to, um, what if, you know, what if I slow down or what if, uh, I sit for a moment and acknowledge like, what, what is my body trying to tell me? Um, so yeah, I don't think I have any easy answers. It just starts with self-awareness, sitting with the discomfort, and maybe you can work with someone else. So it's not just, um, such an, a lonely journey
0: yeah for sure and i love the idea of you know involving someone else in the process especially if you feel like you can't do it on your own so that's very important um i'd love to ask what you think some of the most common challenges people face when they're trying to manage their stress levels while you know being productive amongst all this i think um
1: of course, one of the common challenges is just kind of breaking a habit. Like we've been saying, if you have been an overachiever for a really long time and that's how you got to the position that you are today, it can be hard to just let go of this idea that every day you need to be productive and achieve. So um, one challenge is, you know, letting go of or changing some of these habits that have been helpful to you so far. Um, And possibly another challenge is kind of the environment that you're in and whether it's like indirect peer pressure or what you see around you, that can, um, I think that can add some, you know, invisible pressure as well on, oh, this is what I need to do to be seen as successful. Mm -hmm. So... Um, just that kind of idea, maybe narrow idea of what success means, that being anchored in your mind can be a challenge as well, um, as opposed to maybe broadening your idea of, you know, what is success. And actually one more challenge related to that, to the one I just mentioned, is just acknowledging um, that everyone is different i feel mm. like we know that logically but then when you are you know setting expectations for yourself and you you know see what other people have achieved it's easy to yeah. just assume oh yeah i should be able to do what they're doing
0: 100 yeah
1: yeah and so maybe a small thing for you is an achievement like um maybe you've really been struggling to just tidy up your room tidy up your house and so that doesn't doing that might not feel like an achievement compared to your friend who just bought a house. Mm. (laughs) But it's just that, you know, really drilling it in that everyone is different and it doesn't mean that your achievement um, isn't an achievement and it doesn't mean that you'll always have this level of capacity forever. Everyone's level um, capacity for stress and challenges fluctuates um, all the time. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like comparison is such a good point. It was one I was going to bring up as well because we live in like a world where we're often put against other people in, you know, jobs, in friendship groups or whatever. And it's so hard to just have tunnel vision on what you're doing without, you know, that peripheral on what everyone else is doing. Um, So, yeah, it's very difficult when you feel like you have to compete against other people. But there's often like a lot of other factors, like what level you're on with different things that can really contribute to it so would you be able to discuss some of the positive benefits of achieving you know a good balance between you know success and um achievement as well as success and stress sorry
1: I think um of course uh it's I'm someone who's achievement-oriented as mm. well. So I know that I have a really good feeling every time I can cross something off my to-do list. Yeah. And I'm that person that sometimes I'll finish something and if it wasn't on my to-do list, I'll write it down just so I can cross it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, you know, there's inherently a a nice kind of um, incentive or satisfaction attached to getting through things and it can be a bit of a um, positive spiral where, you know, you achieve something, you feel a bit more confident in yourself and you set bigger goals and then you keep, you know, um, trying to achieve and then maybe you've achieved something that you never thought you could have. So there's that um, potential uh, um, There's that potential outcome from setting goals for yourself and being able to manage your stress. And then I think another big one is just being a good role model. So um, I don't know about you, Joe, but I feel like I've only worked with a handful of people that knew how to manage their stress Mm. while being ambitious. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of times it's, you know, they're a very successful person, but how many people did they have to kind of like knock down or accidentally harm on that path to be successful. So just by having that honesty with yourself um, and doing the hard work of learning how to manage your stress, I think you can have that positive ripple of showing other people like this is what it looks like, to be ambitious and manage stress It it's not black and white it doesn't have to be that um, if you have no stress you also don't achieve anything
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and i feel like 100 percent. it's It's very rare to come across people who are really good at managing their stress, but they're very good at achieving and just being successful at what they want to do. And I always feel like there's some sort of secret that these people have that they just don't share with us (laughs) because I feel like having all these achievements and things you want to like success, have success in are so hard to attain because you set a high standard for yourself and getting to that without having stress is something that baffles me a bit as well. So do you think that stress is inherent to success? So I guess in the research
1: about stress there, there is some um ideas around having an optimal level of stress. And sometimes they call it like eustress, positive stress.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it is very normal to have stress. And I would say it's unrealistic to think that you can achieve big goals or go about life without stress. I think it is just um, knowing yourself, how you manage it, having the kind of openness and acceptance for different levels of stress as well so yeah i I think that stress is always going to be part of it but there is an option where it doesn't consume you versus you know when you're feeling burnout and and things have gotten really far maybe that's where it has consumed you a little bit
0: Yeah, for sure. And what do you think are some of the long term impacts of not letting stress consume you when you're, you know, in that process of achieving everything that you want to be successful in? Yeah, I
1: think, you know, that really would be a state of flourishing. So you would be in alignment, that you are working towards your goals. And those are the things that do give you a sense of uh, meaning and purpose. Um, So maybe even if things are stressful, you there is some motivation behind it and it's, you know, um, it's just in a way like easier to put the effort in to these big goals. Um, And then it also means that in the time that you are working or whether it's working, living, that it can just be more, maybe more fun and peaceful. Like it doesn't have to be suffering, sacrifice and just hard 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 all the way through
0: yeah i totally agree with that um i would love to jump into talking about some practical strategies so that's in our little practices and habits section so here i was just wondering if you have a practice or you know a strategy that you would suggest for managing stress um
1: so i'm just going to talk about something that i personally use yeah um it's a tapping meditation app and the The Practice of Tapping, um, it's also called Emotional Freedom Technique but it's basically guided meditations that um, take you through seven different acupressure points on your body um, and it goes through the process of acknowledging like what is the issue right now, whether it's stress, sadness, anger um, and then going through a process of releasing it and letting it go.
0: Yeah, amazing. Would you be able to talk to me about what a little session is like?
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, you know, there's a pretty good app um, called The Tapping Solution and uh, like a 10-minute tapping meditation might involve, you know, they take you through those seven points and give you prompts around um, admit, admitting or acknowledging like what is the issue right now, where do you feel it in your body. So as per our discussion, like I love that it combines, you know, the brain and the body and really builds that awareness. Um, so you're you're identifying like, oh, yeah, this is how it feels. It feels like a hotness in my throat or a tightness in my chest. Yeah. So you just sit with the feeling rather than um, trying to avoid it and you continue tapping through the different points and then you release... Um, you, there's kind of positive affirmations that they guide you through about letting it flow through your body and essentially just letting it go rather than holding it in there.
0: Amazing. And would you say there are any challenges to doing this practice?
1: Yeah, I know that this is not for everyone. Yep. So I. It took me a few goes of trying um, tapping meditation before I really enjoyed it. And so for some people, it might just feel a bit too weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, other people might love it. Yeah. So I think it's just what are you, you know, what interests you? Um, I know for some of the other guided meditations, I still struggle to just focus on what they're saying. Mm. And my mind really just keeps wondering. So for me... This tapping was helpful because um, anchoring to an action, like my body's involved, I have to kind of focus and I can't just let my mind wander or else I'll miss instruction.
0: Yeah, I actually love that because I've personally struggled with trying to find meditation that works for me where I'm not just having to listen or sit still because I find that within like five seconds, I'm already somewhere else. Um, but that's so interesting. I've actually never heard of tapping meditation before. So I'll have to give that one a go. So thank you for suggesting a different form of meditation. I feel like that's very important. Oh, no worries. Perfect. And with this, do you set set up like a certain time to do it or is it just when you feel like it? For me now, um,
1: this is part of my wind down routine. So at the end of a work day, I'll really try to um, do a tapping meditation and then it's also when I feel like I need it. So if I'm particularly stressed or nervous, um, then I'll just use it before, you know, before a big meeting or something like that as well.
0: Awesome. And would you recommend this practice for everyone or perhaps people interested in meditation?
1: Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, if you have already tried some kind of meditation, maybe it will be less foreign. Yeah. (laughs) Um, At the end of the day, I would just recommend everyone try it and then see if it is for you at this point in time or if it's not. Um, Again, I, I probably recommend it to majority of my clients and I've heard all kinds of mixed reactions. You know, some people love it right away. Some people are like, nope, this is just not my thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I've also had clients who resisted it at first and then found that they loved it so much they were like oh we don't need sessions anymore I actually just really like this app
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that um I find that it's so interesting with this kind of stuff because once you give it a go and give it you know beyond one chance like it can actually really work out so yeah amazing and linking back to what we've been talking about with you know stress and productivity and you know success how does taking time out of your day to do a little meditative practice help with that
1: Mm. to me i think about it as time to actually just sit and process what has happened in your day yeah so i don't know if you do yoga but (laughs) you know usually the last pose is you're kind of just lying there kind of like letting your body soak in the practice that you just did and um i think about that that kind of practice as a similar thing so If I didn't do that, I know I would find other things to do. um, Even if it's just not like super active, like watching TV, but it doesn't really kind of give me time to process, you know, what happened today? How do I feel about it? And now I'm going to release it um, for tomorrow. So, yeah, it just gives you a proper chance to just, yeah, process, not bottle it up or hold it in and then, um, and not build up the stress over time to, to ultimately prevent burnout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Cause I feel like we don't actively set time aside to think about our day. I mean, I know some people reflect or they have like a journal or something like that, but for those of us who are probably always in a rush or always feel like we don't have time to do these little things, I feel like having an app or something that helps keep you accountable for reflecting and winding down is always really good
1: for sure and i know i still probably probably every time i sit down to do the app i feel like no i don't have time yeah (laughs) that will always come up but um part of my values you know is health is looking after myself so it i really have to let that take over of i this is important i want to do it even though i feel like i don't have time
0: yeah well that's amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that strategy with us. It's one that I'm going to give a try as well oh, cuz I know cuz I recently downloaded a med- a meditation app and it had this one year free subscription so I was like, "Oh, great." Um, but they were just talking and I was like, "Oh no. I don't think I can do this." I gave it to be fair, I only gave it one go. Um, but I'm definitely going to try this. I feel like having something that really caters to you as an individual is really important as well. So again, with like all these practices, I feel like it's very important to reinforce that even if one thing doesn't work, I'm sure there's another variation of it that you might be able to give a go as well.
1: Yeah. And also maybe the openness to keep trying. I know Mm. for the the different meditation apps I've used in the past, including this one, I saw like, oh my God, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, no way. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, But there's, There were the options of, you know, three minutes, five minutes and through starting really small, um, I feel like I now, after a few years of using the app, I feel really like looking forward to the 20 minute one. Like, oh, what a treat versus before. Of like, absolutely not.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's such a great thing to look back on and be like, I started this with doing three minutes, wasn't really feeling it. But now it's been like a year or two and I feel like I can do like 15 or 20 minutes. So that in itself is a goal and something to feel like you've succeeded in. So yeah, thank you. I am proud of that little achievement. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I definitely have not gotten anywhere near something like that yet. Yeah. So hopefully this app will put me on the right track. Um, Perfect. So we've got our little um, questions from the audience for you now, and I've got quite a few here, actually. People are very curious about our topic. Um, My first one for you is how does chronic stress affect long-term health and overall well-being? Mm -hmm.
1: There are just so many answers to this question. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, to be honest, I think if you Google, you will see all the wide ranging impacts. And I just think that chronic stress can impact every single system in your body, Um, you know, from skin, from like headaches and thinking clearly and feeling like yourself, gut issues, um, you know, libido, sexual health it's all there. I don't think there's anything that chronic stress won't impact or can potentially impact.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like it's just everything being really exacerbated to a very extensive point as well. Um, So my next question is, how can we effectively communicate our stress levels and boundaries with people such as, you know, family members or colleagues or employers? Yeah, I love that question because um,
1: I think that's a underrated skill, or or maybe something to think mm-hmm. about, like communicating your stress level after you identify it, then communicating. Yeah, um, I do. What I can say so far is I think that communicating it when you are um, feeling a little bit you know calm or feeling a little bit neutral would be more beneficial of course than let's say you're feeling peak stress and then you tell you know let's say your, your mom or your sister that you're feeling stressed it probably won't come out very calmly it will might come out you know full of like anger irritation um or opposite like if you're at work and then you're really feeling all of the stress and then you tell someone maybe that's when all the tears come, not not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I feel like a lot of people don't feel comfortable crying at work. Yeah. Um, so then it would just involve feeling um, a little bit calm a little bit okay so that you can express it in um, a way that other people will be receptive to as well yeah yeah and so maybe that's like doing a bit of meditation a bit of journaling and then going to someone to just express like this is how I feel and then this is my idea of what I would like from you you know support or help wise
0: Yeah, 100%. I feel like sometimes it can be a bit dangerous to approach people with that raw emotion without having a chance to have sat with it, figured out what you want to do with it, because sometimes it just comes out in a very, could be aggressive or frustrating sort of, you know, maybe even hostile way that might not be very, you know, good when you're trying to communicate it to someone who doesn't understand it or hasn't actually experienced it themselves. So I feel like, yeah, it is important to think about it and then figure out a way you can express it to someone and communicate effectively. For sure. Yeah. Amazing. Well, my next one for you is... Oh, this one's interesting. Um, As far as I know, a good amount of stress can also push us to be more productive. So how can we differentiate between healthy stress that leads to increased productivity and detrimental stress that hinders our performance?
1: Yeah, I think one framework that I think about often is that um, an overplayed strength is a weakness. So there's an optimal zone of everything. And this can be applied to things like empathy. So an optimal amount of empathy means that, you know, you can extend compassion towards others, but overextended, if you have too much, maybe that means you are sacrificing your needs or yourself for the sake of other people. So I think stress is a similar thing. Like, yes, there's the optimal zone. And then once it passes that threshold and becomes detrimental, it probably relies on your body awareness and how well you know yourself. So I think what you said before, Joe, like feeling tightness in your shoulders is a sign of stress, um, being able to pick up on the early signs and, um, yeah, your honest feelings that will really help you figure out where you are on the, on the scale before it's, you know, you're in that zone of too much stress, feeling overwhelmed, burnt out.
0: Yeah, amazing. And I feel like it is such a challenge, though, to be able to identify when you've, you know, veered into that, you know, category of like being too stressed or, you know, you've gone into that sort of negative, like very destructive I guess end of you know stress and stuff because it's so hard to pick yourself up on it before it actually happens because you're like oh I can handle a bit more oh this is stressful but I can keep going kind of thing so now I have a question of my own um how can we keep ourselves accountable for managing our stress and not trying to push ourselves to the point where we're like I can handle more I can take on more Mm -hmm.
1: I think Keeping yourself accountable is a good point. So um, that's going to be individual uh, for everyone as well. I know with a lot of clients I've worked with, a lot of people say that they don't want their stress or negative feelings to impact, you know, the people close to them or the people they live with. And so that might be one kind of sign or barrier of what you're, you're not comfortable with. So... Then maybe there are, you know, um, different warning signs. If you're really honest with yourself looking back, maybe you can think of a situation of like, oh, that was 10 out of 10 stress. That situation or me at that time was 7 out of 10 stress. And maybe that's like you don't want to see your friends. um, You're not eating very well. This is what 3 out of 10 is. And um, I think it just involves regularly you know, sitting sitting with yourself, checking in um, and seeing are you, you know, uh, do you see those warning signs and are you kind of getting close to that boundary of what you're not comfortable or happy with? So unfortunately there's no easy way, yeah. <laughs> but I think it can be really worth it, again, for the people around you um, to have those, you know, standards or um wish to be kept accountable.
0: Yeah, for sure. And do you think that perhaps that's where things like meditation can come in, where it gives you that chance to really sit down, think about things, maybe evaluate your stress and then decide whether or not you're veering into being overstressed or whether or not you feel like you're in a good spot?
1: Yeah, and maybe in this case, I would say journaling is really great too because then you've got a record of like, oh, that's what I was thinking at that time. And it also gives you time to... Um, sit with that feeling versus just trying to distract yourself uh, and then yeah not really making any progress or practicing self-awareness to see where you are
0: Yeah. yeah for sure Perfect. So we've got one last question for you, which is, can you please elaborate on the concept of eustress and is it a thing? How does it look like and how it'll influence in achieving better productivity? Yeah, we kind of mentioned it before. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I didn't actually realize that eustress was a proper thing. So please do tell well, what I can share today is, you know, in a nutshell,
1: it's easy to think about eustress as that optimal zone or mm. maybe positive stress. Um, what was the second half of the question?
0: Um, yeah, how does it look like and how does it influence, you know, achieving better productivity? Mm. I think
1: ultimately it will still look a bit different for everyone, but perhaps a good example is when you're working towards something that, um, is really important to you so you're stressed but you're like oh this is worth it or Mm. I don't mind so you know an example could be um, baking a cake for a friend's birthday and maybe you're not a natural baker now I'm just going off real experience (laughs) and so you're like really stressed you're like oh my gosh this what do I do now and like oh things are going wrong but it's like I know it's going to be worth it and then it drives you to keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than give up. So for me it was that um, maybe stress is when I can see the bigger picture yeah. while I'm um, going through the difficult period but maybe the the distress or when the negative kind of stress is, yeah, a bit more like um, feeling overwhelmed not really sure how your actions are going to impact the final outcome, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. So it's more along the lines of stress that you can handle and stress that you're okay with handling.
1: Yeah. It'll probably still be, um, you know, challenging in the moment. Um, so it will still be like a push for you, even if it's that you stress positive stress, but, uh, yeah, it, there's so many ways to think about it. Maybe one of them is that it's not past that point that, yeah, you're super overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the other part is um, that there is some alignment with, um, you know, the work that you're doing and your your values, what's important to you.
0: amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. No I worries. Yeah, I'd love to jump into our open mic section now. So, here I'm just going to hand it over to you to talk about anything that you would like to and we did have a brief discussion about this. So, yeah, the floor is all yours.
1: Thanks, Joe. I think really I did just want to express um express the importance uh, of intersectional psychology of really looking at how all these different factors come together to um, influence not just your mental health but you as well. So the reason I'm really passionate about this is because I kind of mentioned it earlier in my early work experience um it's and with Uh, and someone who gets stressed easily and has an achievement orientation, I think it was easy to think of myself as the problem of like, oh, I'm not achieving because it's me, because I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. um, and all those kinds of things. And I see that a lot in overachieving clients as well, is that it's easy just to fall in the trap of being really harsh on yourself, which doesn't necessarily lead to, um, you know, positive outcomes when you are so critical. So then by taking a step back and looking at like, what is the bigger picture here? Like what's actually going on? And maybe it's, um, if I speak really openly, maybe it's a little, it is racism in the workplace, but it, But because there's not much appetite to talk about it, it's easier to think, oh, no, no, it's just me, rather than there is a pattern going on Mm. um, here and no one's talking about it. Or uh, it could be about gender or, you know, disability. So I think having the courage and maybe support to take a step back and look at the Systems that you're in, like really what's going on here And then being nice to yourself as well Like maybe it's not me, maybe there's other things going on That that kind of knowledge can be really helpful Not just to you, but um, yeah, the people that you work with and talk to At the same time, I feel like this topic is kind of scary So, you know, looking at is it my gender race or these things that are playing a part in the outcomes and the experience that i'm having i think it's scary to think about that because a lot of those things would be outside of your control and so people feel like and this process can be unconscious as well that it's easier and more comfortable to just think maybe i'm the problem Mm (laughs) um So, yeah, that's why I would encourage, you know, finding a safe person to talk to. Maybe it's a a good friend, a partner, uh, maybe it's a therapist, but it's very much up to you. Um, That can be a nice starting point to just like see what you're comfortable talking about and then, you know, if I can very openly just promote things as well, I've been thinking about these questions a lot. So how can it be easier to talk through these difficult topics and help yourself, help other people? So one of the things I recently... Um, made is just a deck of reflection cards. I think there's a lot of different cards out there at the moment. I'm a fan of all of them. I love using cards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Esther Perel has a really great like card game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just to prompt, you know, like deeper questions to get to know yourself better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's something that I, um, will make available soon, but that Yeah, just kind of putting it out there. Are there ways that you can find, um, are there ways ways that you can start to have these scary conversations in a more easy and fun way? So, yeah, the reflection cards is just one of many options that you can start to ask these questions and build that self-awareness And yeah, ultimately, I'm just a big fan of moving out of the denial phase because that can lead to more action and acceptance and, you know, um, positive community outcomes as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that relationship with ourselves can be so like undermined sometimes and it's so underrated as well. You know, this idea of getting to know ourselves, getting to know what different parts of ourselves contribute to who we are and how we think and stuff. So I love the suggestion of the card games. I have heard of Esther Perel's card game. Haven't given it a go because I feel like I've had this perception of, oh, I don't need to ask myself questions. But like, I feel like that's such a great way to just delve deeper into how you approach life and how you approach different things.
1: Yeah, and I've played it a few times. I think it's just like, oh, may- maybe I'm biased. I find it really <laughs> fun to ask those questions.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I feel like I would be too. I love little games. I love little creative ways of getting to the bottom of things um, as opposed to, you know, for example, just journaling or something like that. So I feel like for people who like a bit of out-of-the-box thinking, I feel like that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. awesome well thank you so much Vian that brings us to the end of today's episode so I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming into our studio and having this chat with me today
1: oh well thank you so much for inviting me and having me it's such really like thoughtful questions from you and the audience it seems (laughs) so yeah it's been a pleasure and thanks for all the great work you do
0: yeah of course thank you so much um and for those of us who want to find out a bit more about you where can we go
1: So I have a website and also an Instagram. Um, It's the name of the clinic. So the Instagram is anntampsych and then our website is Antampsychology.com.
0: Beautiful. Well, we also have Vian's details in the description below, but to everyone listening, thanks so much and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pp.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.